trunks in the wagon thumped as the wooden wheels crunched over rocks and uneven earth. Seventeen children bounced and fussed among their earthly belongings. They were tired, irritated, and uncomfortable, and to express this, they squabbled and shouted constantly. The frustrated mother screamed back at them, her red face and sc was scrunched with rage as spit flew from her flapping red mouth. Some of the children laughed at the angry woman, making it, raving like a mad dog, making a fool of herself. Some of the children trembled and froze up as adrenaline and terror flooded them, all until all they could hear was their own throbbing pulses. The youngest and smallest was the most terrified. He cupped his hands over his ears and scrunched his eyes shut as tightly as he could and hummed his favorite nursery rhyme. He felt a jolt and a rush of air. Then, with a sudden, sharp pain in his head, he knew no more. Sometime later, he woke up to something soft and warm and wet as a mother coyote probed him with her nose. If there's one thing we know from Mowgli, Romulus, and Remus, this was a match made in heaven. She raised her new pup to be a strong and strapping young man. It wasn't until he met a cowboy that his happy life would change forever. The cowboy took one look at the Herculean naked man on all fours, and this collected cowboy was like, uh, what's up with you, my dude? And the young man said, I'm not a dude, I'm Bill the Coyote. Coyote, my bro, you are definitely a dude. I mean, look at your hands. Where's your tail if you're a coyote? Needless to say, this had Bill stumped, but he was an adaptive sort, and after the day when he was frightened and left behind by his family, he swore he would never allow a human being to scare him again. That included himself, so he needed to accept this change and to his future and be strong. He decided to be a cowboy and left with the man who reminded him what he really was. They started a successful ranching business, and a time came when Pecos wanted to take on a leadership role in the group. The men talked amongst themselves and eventually decided on the perfect test of strength. Every man on that ranch had longed to attempt the same task, but none who had tried it had survived. There was a magnificent, inky black Mustang. His deep coat gleamed in the sunlight, flaunting the taut muscles beneath as he tossed his watery mane. The men on the ranch had named the horse Widowmaker because he killed every man who approached him. Pecos laughed. Was that all? If the creature was as wild and fierce as the men said, then perhaps they were meant to be together. He hiked into the valley where the men said that Widowmaker lived and prepared for the fight of a lifetime. The horse was alarmed at the presence of the man, snorting and shaking his head in a twitchy agitation. Before trying to mount the Mustang, though, he tried to speak to it in the language of animals. Widowmaker said he would never submit to any man, but Pecos informed the horse that he was an honorable coyote. Imagine the man's surprise, or the men's surprise when Pecos Bill arrived back at the ranch astride the magnificent beast as the new leader of the camp. Together, they began to catch more and more cattle. You see, the men had been setting snares and waiting for cows to happen upon them. Pecos Bill caught himself a 42-foot-long rattlesnake and used it as a lasso. From that point on, the men all used the same method to succeed at gathering more and more cattle and driving them north to Kansas. 
Eventually, their operation drew the attention of a wealthy businessman who wanted to meet their, with their leader. Since the men were on a cattle drive at the time, Pecos and Widowmaker went to the meeting alone. As they approached the Gulf of Mexico where the parley was to take place, Pecos was startled by an incredible sight. Leaping through the water was a 53-foot catfish, and standing astride that catfish was a woman as wild and feisty as Pecos himself, and she was beautiful. Her eyes glittered with mirth as she shocked everyone with her unconventional steed, and Pecos threw away any last remaining thoughts of being a coyote. Her name was Slewfoot Sue, and she would be the love of the wild man's life. He proposed that very day, and she accepted. In order to finalize the sale, though, Bill needed to bring the rest of the cattle north so that he could collect his cows, or so he left to collect his cows and his men. But, as I mentioned, they were on a drive, and as such, it was hard to pinpoint their exact location, you know, just like anywhere in the American Southwest, right? So, along the way, he and Widowmaker got turned around in the desert. They had nearly died of thirst when Pecos took up a stick and dug the Rio Grande, giving them all of the water they needed for the rest of their journey. When they caught up with the men and delivered the cattle, it was time for wedding bells to ring. Sue was from an upper-class family, so the wedding was a little more upscale than the cowboys were used to, but everyone held their breath as Sue emerged from her dressing room in a lacy white gown, puffed out by a fashionable bustle. Pecos could hear Widowmaker whinny in the background as he nudged the horse Pecos had picked out for Sue to ride away with him on. Sue and Pecos said their vows and enjoyed a magnificent reception. Pecos ate heartily and greeted his guests until he realized he'd lost track of his new wife. He was pivoting in place to try and catch a glimpse of her when he heard a wild neigh from Widowmaker and a gut-wrenching scream from Sue. She had known that Pecos would never allow her near the horse, but he was so beautiful, and she was sure that the horse would eventually see things her way. All animals did, or so she thought. The mount she was seated on, or the moment she was seated and smiling at her victory, Widowmaker launched her so high that she had to duck her head to avoid hitting it on the moon. Gravity suddenly won the battle, though, and Sue was carried back to Earth, careening with speed. The only thing that saved her was that she landed on her oversized bustle, and the bogus booty bounced her back upwards, violently jerking her body in the process. Sue's screams changed from fear to agony as bounce after bounce she was wrenched with full-body whiplash. It was clear, after a few hours, that the bouncing, and thus the pain, would never end. There was only one thing Pecos could do, and only he could do it. He drew his pistol, and on the next bounce, he fired, breaking both of their hearts. The shot knocked Sue backwards so that she no longer landed on her bustle. Pecos held her remains, and the cowboys backed away, giving him space. Bill took some time to himself to mourn his love. His tears would become the great saltwater lake. On his travels back to his men, Bill was disturbed by what he saw. More and more people were settling and spreading out all over the country. We saw how people crowding together in the tale of Paul Bunyan, and the legendary man moved out as people moved in. Pecos, too, began to feel a little too packed in. 
His solution came in the form of a giant tornado that tore through the countryside, leaving devastation and wreckage in its wake. Pecos took out his rattlesnake rope and lassoed that cyclone, and he and Widowmaker rode it off into the distance, howling like a coyote. They say that whenever the wind blows so hard that it howls, that's Pecos Bill riding the storm. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed another American Tall Tale, and uh, I am so excited that you joined me. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I do. It's fun to go back and kind of read these kind of American equivalents of fairy stories, and thank you so, so much. As always, I ask you to please like, subscribe, and pass this show on to anybody that you think would enjoy to hear one of these tales from the American West. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend.